Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Success in Accounting. Sponsored by Dext. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. This is the Success in Accounting podcast. On behalf of the Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network, Rob Brown here, thrilled to have a special guest with us that I'll introduce live in just a moment. This is Avni Desai. She's CEO of Shellman, a leading national provider of compliance services. This continues a series that we're doing with strong leaders in the female and minorities groups in the accounting and fintech world, where we're just getting some perspective on diversity, equity, inclusion, what changes are taking place in the accounting profession that has, let's not deny it, been traditionally male dominated, particularly the older white males. So diversity is very much a hot topic. Avni is an incredible personality. Her firm has 463 employees. She is the youngest member of the top 100 firms. 20 years they've been going. They're already 55 in the national list in the US rankings with a turnover of over $100 million. And they specialize in cybersecurity. No tax, no audit, no advisory, purely cybersec. And uh, they're in the major firms group of CEOs. She has a lot to say about role models, who to follow in accounting, what makes the difference in blazing a trail. So enjoy the interview, and we'll continue with this theme in coming weeks. Welcome to Success in Accounting, and I'm delighted to have our special guest with us today, Avni Desai. Hello to you. Hey, Rob. Good to be here. Avni, for people that haven't come across you, you're one of the prominent female leaders in the accounting profession over there in the US, but uh, tell us a little bit about you and your role. Yeah, sure. So I am CEO of Shellman. We are an IT audit and cybersecurity assessment firm. Uh, it's really exciting as I took on this role on October 1st of 2021, when we went through a private equity transaction with Lightyear Capital, which was a disruptor, um, definitely in the accounting industry. But Rob, I think you'll see a lot more of that as we finish this year and next year, um, just because the accounting field is so exciting and private equity um, can see the value of that. So yeah, I've been at Shellman for almost 10 years. Prior to that, I spent 10 years at a big four accounting firm. What's the difference after 10 years at KPMG to where you are now, Avni? KPMG was a great launching pad for me and for several other people. Um, that's why a lot of our experienced hires do come from the big four. Um, but I did want to do something different. You know, when I spent 10 years at uh, KPMG and climbing up the ranks, I had great mentors, great sponsors. Uh, but my last year, I ended up having my son, who is now 11 years old, and unfortunately, I only saw him you know, around 52 days that entire year. And I realized that if I wanted to continue being hopefully a partner in advisory, I would kind of have to give up on something. And I knew I wanted to go somewhere where I had more autonomy, um, the ability of kind of disrupting the profession, especially for women, but also young mothers. And so that's why uh, I came to Shellman. And it was like a clean slate working with our founder um, and majority owner at that time, Chris Shellman, uh, to really build something that was really special and unique uh, for all people to really show up and be able to be successful here. You've just recently met with the major firms group over there in the US. It's not well known over here in the UK, but we're an international show. Just explain to people what that's about a little bit. Yeah, it was definitely eye-opening and I look forward to going back um, on an annual basis. So the major firms group is a place where all the CEOs and COOs of the top 75 to 100 firms in the US come to really collaborate. And you would think, you know, we're all competitors for us to talk about innovation, retention, what's coming down the pipeline. And it was my first time there. So I was 
around a table of CEOs really learning from them, but then also telling them what we're doing that I think is really special here. And there's something satisfying, isn't it, about peeking over the garden wall and seeing what your neighbors are doing and getting the good ideas and sharing some of the good you're doing. Yeah, that's right. And like I say, it's there's so much work um, in our industry. So to be able to get the leaders of the industry in one room, it was invaluable to me. And I look forward to participating in that group year after year. Now, you joined Shellman with the remit to get them into the top 100. You've way surpassed that. Tell us a little bit about that journey and how prestigious the rankings are over there. So you're right. I joined in 2012. Our founder, Chris Shellman, said he had a couple of goals, and one of them was to get into the top 100 firm within a five-year period. It's very prestigious here. You know, it's uh, solely based on revenue. Um, so yes, we are, as of 2022, accounting today has us as the top the 55th largest CPA firm in the US. But what's really prestigious about that is we're the youngest on there. We're 20 years old. To, so to say that we climbed the ranks of, I think someone said there's 16,000 firms in the US. So to be the 55th and be the youngest. The second is we are the fat, one of the fastest growing firms on there. And what I learned this past week is uh, we are the only one on the top 75 firms run by a minority woman. So Rob, that should make me really happy, but I <laughs> left there saying I got a lot of work to do. Uh, I have 463 employees here and I need to make sure that uh, we continue to uh, promote and sponsor women and men um, of color and diversity at our company. We'll come on to that in a moment because in today's DEIA world, have you heard of the A as well, the accessibility going on the back of that? So it's all happening. I know it's a crusade close to your heart to uh, blaze a trail for women in accounting, but just going back to the rankings there, we have rankings here in the UK and I'm sure in other countries, Just I'm sure this number is in the public domain, but what kind of revenue gets you into the top 55 or the top 75? Yeah, so last year we closed at um, 102 million in revenue. So um, if you take a look at, of course, the the top four, there's a big discrepancy when you get, you know, uh, the top eight from everyone else. Um, but yeah, we're looking to hopefully continue at double digit growth year after year. And my goal is to, you know, have a four in front of our uh, name uh, by the end of next year. Good for you. And just to give you some perspective, we think the accounting world revolves around the United Kingdom, but we're so small. To get into the top 100, you'd need a turnover of about five million pounds. Okay. And there are more accountants in the state of New York than there are in the whole of the United Kingdom. So it, obviously your market dwarfs ours and uh, you have the biggest GDP in the world. So there's plenty going on there. What kind of things came up at the, the major firms? You mentioned innovation, you mentioned talent retention, so much to talk about, so many things on the priority list for managing partners and leaders in that big firm. Give us a flavor of the agenda. Yeah, I'd say there's probably top three things. One, definitely, we're a people-centric um, industry, right? And I shouldn't even call us industry. We're a people-centric profession. We have to kind of get into that mindset of calling us really, we're a profession. And so how do we make sure, you know, uh, Rob, you you read my uh, the kind of the great reshuffle and major thing going into 2022 and really 2023 for us and a lot of other managing uh, partners is how do we continue to make sure that our people stay happy? Attrition is a significant blow to our bottom line, you know? There's, I can never have the mindset of, oh, it's okay, you know, if we lose talent because I'm going to be able to go find that talent because I can't find that talent. So how do we make sure that we keep that talent? So that has to do with making sure that there's professional development, making sure that we're giving them flexibility so they have the ability to have a strong home life and have a strong professional life. And three is how do we make sure that we have developed 
a customized career path. Because 10 years ago, 15 years ago, the career path in accounting and auditing was all the same, associate to partner, right? And once you make manager, you stop really doing the work and you start working on administrative things like you know profitability. And once you make senior manager and director, you start working on sales. But not everyone wants to go to that path. We have experts who are so good at the technical aspect and maybe don't want to manage people. Well, we have to have a path for them. And that's something very unique. I mean, we see it in the technology field, but we don't see it in um, accounting, auditing, and tax. So that was one thing that we talked about. The second thing is innovation and automation. And it's not automation to decrease headcount. It's automation so we can take the burden off of our employees of doing administrative tasks. When I ask my employees, What's the number one thing that, you know, annoys them? It's, oh, you know, I have to do these repeatable tasks. We should be able to take that off of them, find machine learning, AI, an automated way to increase their efficiency so they can do what they were taught to do and like what they're experts at, right? You know, fraud, identifying risk and uh, making sure that, you know, they've assessed it appropriately. And so those are probably the, the two main things is career path, people centricness, and then um, innovation through automation. Sure. And you mentioned in your article, which is where you first came on our radar, and we'll put a link to it in our show notes for the this episode, is that there are some positive spins on the great resignation. But can we sit here and deny that accountancy as a profession, as a career choice, has an image problem? What is going on here that the, there is a labor shortage? Granted, it's in many sectors, but it's particularly acute in accounting and finance. Yeah. So what I learned actually at the major firms group is there is a shortage of graduates coming out with accounting right which I didn't know. And a lot of that has to do with, there's a shortage in the US of people going to college, a significant shortage kind of during COVID. And the second, Rob, is right. People don't wanna go into accounting. They think it's long hours. They think it's redundant and repeatable tasks, right? And they think that there's only one career path. And I'm really excited that the AICPA is doing a, a complete rehaul. Um, I learned about programs called Accounting Plus, which they're, specifically focusing on high school students of color, telling them that, hey, if you want to be an athlete, if you want to be a musician, if you want to be an actress, knowing accounting and getting your CPA is going to allow you to be better at all of that. So uh, I am glad that the profession is starting to see that there is an image issue. Um, for us, it's a little bit different because we're in the security and cybersecurity space. So it's still cool, right, to be an ethical hacker and to look at technology controls and to identify privacy issues. But you're right, the accounting industry, I think, is having an issue and that will bleed into what we do. Hmm. And tracking back to your earlier comment about representation of women leaders, we've had uh, Dr. Anton Lewis on the show and Herschel Frierson, who's head of the National Association of Black Accountants. Uh, two black guys, very much advocates for minorities in the accounting profession, but both of them, and you can listen back to the show, say it was, it's been tough for us because there's nobody like us. Yeah. There's no representation of people like me to aspire to. And you must have found that in your career. I did. You know, I had an amazing mentor at KPMG who was also a mother, but I needed more of that, right? Uh, I had very unique questions of, you know, how can I have more than one child. I knew I wanted to have more than one child. Like, how do I balance it? Um, will I have to, you know, put a hold on my career, you know, for three, four years and stop traveling and selling to get my kids through school before um, I start trying to get on the partner track? 
we have to reimagine this industry, which is finally happening, saying there's so many different tracks. And that's what we're doing here at Shellman. It's been really nice the last three or four years to see that there are more women managers and partners who are having children and staying because we allow the flexibility to do both. Um, and it's unique, right? And I think a lot of it, COVID did accelerate that process because now our clients are very content with us doing our work remotely, where previously maybe we needed to be on site. It's a really good point. The technology has gone up that enables us to do work remotely because imagine if COVID would have happened in the 1980s, what a mess that would be. But also if you are doing a, a Zoom call or similar and you've got kids running around in the background or dogs barking, the bar has come down for what is acceptable and what is professional because that all goes, doesn't it? It's all playable. Yeah, yeah that's right. You know, we're, we're past living the world of nine to five being work, right? I mean, are you, do you work before nine and after five? We all do. Right? And, and we're in, in our society, at least, you know, where what I see at our firm is we get the work done. So maybe that is after I drop the kids off from school, or maybe it's after I put them to bed, but the work done. I can tell you, Rob, I have seen more productivity from both our internal service delivery and external service delivery since we gave people the flexibility from working from anywhere. And that's on CyberSec. It's very much your area of expertise, Avni. In today's world, one of the problems that stops accountants moving to the cloud and doing things remotely is protecting the data, keeping client information safe. But how safe are we with all the CyberSec and everything that's going on in a remote world? On March 2020, we had to completely pivot to being in an office to really then having thousands of offices, right? Because everyone started working from home. So, uh, you know, different devices and different internet connection and difficult, different physical security to your house, right? It's very different. Um, those that embraced it and pivoted and said, okay, this is what the future is going to look like, did a great job. You know, these technology companies like, you know, Zoom and Oracle and Microsoft all had these platforms available to organizations to be able to do work remotely, right? Um, but those that said, hey, we're going to jump on it and we're going to start coming together and put together a remote audit methodology, they did fine, right? Those that waited a little longer and said, okay, this is only going to be a six or eight week gig, they were kind of left behind and then had to really kind of scramble. But, you know, I can tell you what we see. Yes, our work is increasing because of a distributed workforce. We're seeing geopolitical issues, you know, coming from Ukraine and Russia. So an increase in uh, ransomware and cybersecurity attack. But one thing I will tell you is our clients think of cybersecurity as a value proposition. It's no longer, we have to check the box. And this is something our auditors are going to make us do. So two weeks before they come, let's get everything ready. Like they're doing privacy and security by design. They're building apps and they're building products with cybersecurity and privacy front of mind. And that's what we want. I mean, this is for us, the consumer, me and you, of course, that's what, uh, what we want. But for organizations, especially in the B2B business is what they want. And on the video here, it will be on YouTube as well as the podcast. I can see the passion in your eyes and, and in your voice as you talk about it. It's very much the future. Tell us about your leadership style. You said there's 463 people there. You're at the top of the tree, if you like. How would you describe your style of leadership? I am just humbled that I have an opportunity to serve all 463 Shalmanators <laughs> on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, I come from, uh, my parents were on uh, like assisted uh, government welfare uh, because my dad, who was very educated, and my mom were very educated, immigrated from India to the U.S., but unfortunately their diplomas didn't really transfer over. So my dad ended up 
you know, working in fast food and my mom made belts. Um, and that's really what I saw growing up. And that's your work all- ethic right there, Avni, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And they did all of that for the future of their three daughters may be successful. Whoa, right? yeah. And it's not that, hey, they knew they were going to come here and life was going to be set for the three of us. They knew they were going to come here and it may happen. And every day I think about that, like, gosh, like they really sacrificed their entire lives, their family, their language, their culture to come here. And that's how I live. I, I, I live to kind of serve. I feel lucky that I sit here on the top and I'm able to do uh, what I do. And that's why I really want to also foster a place of inclusivity where everyone can feel that they can come to work and be themselves. I mean, that's just such an important um, part of my ethos, which I think now is definitely more value at Shaman. What would you say is coming up for the accounting profession? I like that you call it a profession rather than an industry, because these people have worked hard for the qualifications and credentials and accreditation. So like the legal profession, the medical profession, let's call that out. What's coming up over the next few years from what you can see? I think there's going to be a digital transformation. We're starting to see it, especially with the top, you know, 10 firms who are implementing technologies to really make the audit more efficient, but make the audit more accurate as well. You know, I think that's really important. So that's what I think is going to be coming is this digital transformation in the accounting profession. Final question, Avni. Give us some words of encouragement for the accountants listening, particularly the female accountants or the minorities in there that want to do something more. They want more of a voice. They want more influence. They don't see many people like them, but they want to be more represented. What would be your call to arms for them? Yeah, you got to start young, right? I think we have an obligation to make sure that we start talking to elementary school and middle schoolers, because once they're in high school and you try to convince them to go into audit or accounting, it's too late, right? You know, I shouldn't say an obligation. I think we have an opportunity to be able to really tell this younger generation the excitement of this industry, right? You can multitask, you can be innovative, you can build, you can tinker, you can break. Uh, There's not a lot of professions, and you could do very financially well, you know, being in the the accounting and auditing profession. Well, Avni Desai, it's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much for your passion and your insights. Improve your practice while decreasing how hard you work work. to make your firm really fly. fly. Sponsored by Dext.